0: <laughs> and a new irish record for phil healy 22.99
1: christy cooney hands over the sam Maguire cup to graham county cork
0: all ireland champions for the seventh time ever Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarty. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a quick reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. What a guest we have for you on this week's podcast. It's the one and only Podrick Harrington, the three-time major winner Spoke to Kieran about his bearer background, his father, Paddy's influence, and his many trips to West Cork growing up. The two also touch on a bit of golf. Did we mention that Podrick is a three time major winner? He also happens to be the European Ryder Cup captain this year. So we're going to get his thoughts on that tournament, which is set to take place at Whistling Straits in September. Kieran, we spoke golf on last week's podcaster speaking golf again on this week's podcast. What a coup for the Star Sport Podcast to get the man, to myth, the legend, Podrick Harrington on to talk not just about his chosen sport, but also his connection to West Cork
1: i always said, Jack, that this is the definitive and best West Cork sports podcast. And Patrick <laughs> Harrington is in a, crow- in a
0: crowded man. field as well.
1: In a crowded field, 100% <laughs> right. And, and Patrick Harrington is an honorary West Cork man. And just like I've claimed half of Tyke Forlong for West Cork, he's a new line. He's, Tyke Forlong's mother is from Whitty Island. And um, Patrick Harrington's father is from Beira. So, Patrick is half a West Cork man, which is, if you're half a West Cork man, that's better than being a full man from most other counties so Padraig is on a is on the right track but what uh, brilliant to get him on the podcast uh, absolutely brilliant we we chat bear, we chat about his father Paddy who was a, a really good footballer with Cork in the, the 1950s and 60s He actually played in a couple of All-Ireland finals won a National League medal played on the Munster team that, that were in three Railway Cup finals uh, we chat about his father's influence with him obviously then there's the talk of golf and the Ryder Cup um, coming up in September in Whistling Straits and I try to get an exclusive here, Jack. I I ask Patrick Harrington if he'll bring the European Ryder Cup team to Beira on a bonding session ahead of the, the big event in September. So our listeners will have to listen to the podcast now to hear the answer. But it could be a huge ex- exclusive, or it couldn't be. You just have to have to listen. So no, delighted to have him on. Great guest. Um, great chat. And I think it's time to hear from the man himself. <laughs> Delighted now to be joined on the Star Sport podcast via a very special guest, Podrick Harrington. Welcome to the Star Sport Podcast, Podrick. Hey, it's great to be here. Podrick, on this podcast, we have a habit of claiming anyone with half a link to West Cork as being from West Cork. So you are an honorary West Cork man for this podcast and beyond because your link to here is so so strong. For our listeners and viewers, um, your father Petty was from our groom in Beira. So when you think of Beira and West Cork, what comes to mind?
2: Ooh, I spent nearly all my summer holidays there as a kid, uh, you know, uh, and great times. As a young kid, I, I remember it so well. Uh, we used to stay in, actually used to stay in Larrick in Kerry. So we used to come across the border back into, uh, into obviously, argroom Bores, uh, Castletown Castletownbere, all, all of those places. And, I, you know, I don't get back now as much as I should or would like to. Uh, it is a long way away, isn't it? Uh, it is a long way down there. Now, I, I was back, I brought my kids down there about two years ago, and it, it's interesting, the difference perspective, I had a bit of time to take it all in, and uh, as a kid, it was a big, wild adventure, I suppose, when you go back down as an adult, you, you see different things, and it's uh, it's certainly, uh, it's a fascinating place, you know, it, it is, especially where my dad, is, you know, bores the actual hill that there are like, it's it's pretty bleak up there it's a it's a it's a stark place but then you know obviously you go down into Pascal Bear and and all the places like it's it's so beautiful in, in many places and stark in other places it is it, you do realize you are out on the you know the wilds of the Atlantic when you're there
1: when you were growing up so project like you said you were down in West Cork and Bear an awful lot were you very aware so of your father's Bear background and how proud he was of being from that part of the country
2: uh, not from going down there. Uh, you know, when you go down there, you're just with family and you're just hanging out. I, I think that that would have come up more. I suppose as I got a little older, and people would approach me or my dad and want to talk about, uh, you know, West Cork, and and I would hear the stories that I'd be there and, and be hearing, and maybe maybe a little bit more when you're when you're meeting the aunts and uncles, as I said, you know, Christmas time and other occasions, uh, and they get started telling stories i always liked you know one of the greatest things is when you start hearing stories about your 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 dad and and his childhood so you know when people get together you you, you get those stories and you're always hearing something that you didn't know uh and yeah it was having been there it was great you you kind of had an idea uh, uh, when they were telling the stories but i think uh even to this day i still enjoy the stories about my dad
1: and there's no shortage of stories about your father, project because he's from Beira, he's from West Cork, and that is football country. And it's no surprise to learn he was a very talented footballer himself. He played with Cork in the 1950s and 60s, played in two All-Ireland finals, won a National League, played in three Railway Cups with Munster. So was football a big part of your home when you were growing up?
2: A sport was. Uh, and, and this, is you know, my dad was, was, was obviously a good footballer, but he was uh, he was very good at all the sports he turned his hands to and and it was more here like I knew about the football that was very easy you know and and I played gated football as a kid, and I assumed that that was gonna be my number one sport growing up, but it was hearing the other stories you know and the athletics and other different things that he would have competed at in the towns and and things and the, the different sort of i suppose community games they would have had a little uh you know. I think the whole family were very competitive. I don't think the Harringtons, when they turned up, everybody else was happy to see them because, they, from from what I hear, his sisters were pretty good at win, winning the races too. So they were they were pretty good at just about everything when it came to sport. And uh, those are the sort of stories I liked hearing. You know, uh, you know, just they were just fun. That you know, a different world, a different life, uh, and, and you know, the football. I suppose. Yeah, look, he didn't play football. You know, I didn't know him as a footballer. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he'd long retired. Uh, My older brothers say they they saw him play a little bit at at times. You know, he might turn out for uh, a a father's match at the the local GAA club or something like that. Uh, But I wouldn't have known him in that sense from football. Uh, I would have known him by the time I was, I suppose, you know, coming to a, seven eight years of age you know it was all about golf he was a god played golf at that stage and we were involved in the he was very involved in the golf club so uh, i wouldn't you know that's what i would i would only heard the stories uh i suppose from his brothers and sisters and friends about about his football days and why what and, and other sporting achievements i suppose
1: I read one very interesting story about him, Podrick. He was right-footed as a player, but he suffered an injury to his instep on his right foot. But instead of taking months out, he practised on his left foot. So by the time he, Paddy, came to get back on the football field, he was as good off his left foot as he was off his right foot. And um, the story I read said it's the trait of a perfectionist. And you feel that rubbed off on you too?
2: Well, there you go. I certainly I certainly am the perfectionist. So that's maybe where I got it. I always would have assumed I got it from my mum. Uh, my dad was... Is, as as the man I know, he, I suppose there was, there was he wasn't that competitive as the person I know. He like he, he never regretted losing those two All Ireland finals. It wasn't a burden to him that he lost two finals, and you know there was lots of things he could be competitive. I could see that if he was playing golf and different things like that, but he didn't he didn't carry a burden away from 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 things like that. So I always I know I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but I, I don't know if I. I I just don't know when it comes to my dad my mum, which one did I get the trade from? Uh, You know, because my dad seemed quite relaxed about things and and had things in good perspective. Uh, You know, and it is interesting you say that about that story about learning to kick off the left foot. It's true of a lot of people that look like they have talent. I, I would have always assumed my dad just had the ability... Left and right was a was was a a very talented. When I say talented, he looked good. He he, he had a good movement about. Uh, but as I said, it, it always turns out that they actually learned to do it. <laughs> it. It always turns out that the environment ended up teaching them how to be good, rather than necessarily that they you're not born with these things. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a case in point. He 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 would have been, you know. I su- assume he, you know, like a lot of things. I would have seen later in life if it if it needed to be improved or learned, he would have got on it and done it. Uh like he liked practicing at golf. Uh, you know, and that i certainly got that from him. Uh so we we both enjoyed spending time around, uh practice of golf trying to get better. So I could could I assume he, you know, he probably was like that as a kid. He he certainly was good at everything. One of my, uh you know, my, one of my favorite stories. And you know, I've got to say this now: who knows if it's you know it's a story? So I'm I'm going to believe it's true. But he got to the 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 boxing championships in the guards uh, to the finals, and he won. And he never boxed again because, as he said, he hit the guy so many times. But he was a better boxer or or, or more determined boxer that he didn't go down. And he just didn't enjoy the fact that you know he was clearly winning, but the other guy. Just was never going to give up and he never boxed again sort of thing he, he had a, a peculiar way of looking at some things Uh that's what i mean by not being competitive i i wouldn't unfortunately i, I i'm competitive enough if i won i keep going
1: you mentioned there about the environment and how important that is and as a kid grown up so at home and with with your father and his sporting background and you said there project so many different sports how much of an influence was that on you? So, like, you played football at Belly Boat and Sandindes. Obviously, you have a, a love for golf, and that's a shared passion you have. But how much of an influence was your dad and on, on the the pet you ventured on in sport?
2: You know, we talk about this. By the, time, by the time I was playing the sports, you know, my dad had done all that with my older brothers. He'd gone to the football matches and things like that. He didn't go to the football matches with me. He wasn't, you know, I, I did get taught how to do the, and this would be it, you know, how to do the, the sack race and things like that. You know, when the sports days came around, you know, the 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 tips were given and the skills were were handed out and a and a little bit of practice was done. But you know, most of that I would have been getting from my brothers who would have got it from my dad. So it was kind of at that stage when you're the youngest, you're kind of let you're let loose a lot more. Uh, you know, I think though it changed with golf because my dad retired at 50 years of age from, from the guard. So he was a young man. Uh, And, you know, that would have coincided with, you know, with me being a teenager playing golf. So he spent a huge amount of time at that stage, you know, it kind of reversed. So from from kind of, you know, I would say as a young teenager, as you know, he wouldn't have come to matches. But as a as an older teenager, he, he was pretty much available in there all the time when it came to came to me playing golf
1: you played football too up to a decent enough level and even like you've the size and frame of a good footballer and you played in the half back line too like 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 your dad did
2: i, I wasn't a half back no i was full back i wasn't I, I i never had the engine that my dad had uh you know i was i've i was a goalkeeper most of the time so when i played outfield uh i captained my school team Outfield played my last game in Crow Park. You know, I'm I'm proud. I've a few I've a few nice accolades. Scored a couple of point, points. I marked Desi Farrell that day, and he ran rings around me. I actually that's where you got me playing in the halfback. They put me, they moved me from fullback out to centre back to Mark Desi Farrell, and it was the stupidest mistake <laughs> ever. Well, you know, I, I I was a fullback, and we should instead of weakening my play. We should have brought, uh, left the centre back on him and brought a corner forward in to 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 mark him as well. You know that's what they do in the modern game, but back then you played fifteen guys in their position. Uh, so yeah, look, you know, in hindsight, skills and the way things have changed. Even uh, even I can see how they've changed in 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 in, in, the, in football and things like that. Uh, yeah, but it was a a, a mistake that we you never weakened and we say this in golf you know my old coach bob Tarren said that never weaken your your strengths to strengthen your weaknesses mm-hmm. you know you've always got to keep your strength strong if you even if you're trying to improve something that's weak you, you just don't weaken what what's got you there in the first place uh so you know that was a case in point you're taking you're taking your full back out and and putting them in a position he's not familiar with uh and maybe not as i said i might not have the engine to play that position uh but Desi Farrell, God, he was a beautiful footballer. I've never seen somebody move so quick. Uh, he, he he was a stout lad, so he didn't look like it, and, and, and he just surprisingly quick. Really, I've got to say, he was a beautiful footballer. And it is interesting that he, you could see that at that age, and, he, and clearly he went on to be uh, very successful with the Dubs. And you could see that you know he just he just had beautiful movement, and it, it that's. You know, you you see it at times. It's nice. I think my dad was a little bit like that his day. He he just moved well on the on the pitch, and and that that's a it, it doesn't mean you're a great player, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a, it's nice when you see
1: it. What a way to sign off on your football career, project, playing in Crook Park in your in your final game. So let's say it comes to Crook Park later this year, Dublin and Cork in the football championship. Like I said, now you're an honorary West Cork man. <laughs> Who are you plumping for?
2: I will see. I I don't. I, <laughs> I I don't need to put myself out on the line at this very moment. I I, I be picky pick and choose at the time. But I, I I do have I I know that I still have an affinity for Cork and I want to see them do do well. But ultimately I I I'm still if I go to watch a football match and if if the Dubs were playing Cork I'd want and I know I know this means that maybe you could doubt me being a true fan because I'd love to see a really tight match. I, so I'm still in, when I watch sport, no matter how, how much I like a team, I still want it to be really, really tight and exciting and maybe my team to get over the line at the last minute. But I'm I'm not enough of a fan of anybody to want to see them go in and dominate and, and, and the, you know, really destroy the opposition. I'm much more into let's have a great game here and, and, and run it close and something to talk about afterwards.
1: You mentioned earlier a project about you still come down to West Cork and Bearer and the last time was a couple of years ago. Do you still have relatives and family down this neck of the woods? Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, that the the where my dad the that farm my dad grew up on is still there. Uh the cousins uh run it now and it's uh, it's a it's a big bleak mountain. I, I, I don't I, I you know, yeah, I don't envy their task. Uh you know, uh and my uh my, my dad's brother who's who he's in his nineties still still He's still around the farm, you know, I'm sure he still does some work on the farm, He's still i i thankfully I have some good bloodlines even some some i am pretty much mostly good. there's some good male genes that uh, in the family, so there's a bit of longevity in some of them uh for sure and uh, he my uncle Tyke, is still down there sorry sorry, not my uncle Tyke, but he's passed away. My uncle Jeremy is still down there and uh, uh yeah it's it's nice when you get back and hear the stories and the the enthusiasm about the old days.
1: Like you said, they're like West Cork and Bear, it's quite a remote place. So just as a suggestion, Padraig, it could be the ideal place to take the European Ryder Cup team to for a team bonding weekend ahead of the Ryder Cup, bring them down to West Cork because what happens in West Cork stays in West Cork and you'll be shut off from the rest of the world. So maybe something to keep in mind in the weeks and months ahead.
2: Uh, we don't need to be doing any of that Spartan training up mountains and things like that. No, I think uh, yeah, I think a little bit more luxury would be for the 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 the, the golfers for sure. But as I said, you can't beat you couldn't beat Castletown Bear on a on a nice summer's day. Uh, you can't be any of the any of the towns or villages down there when a, when the weather's good and and uh, you know the food is awesome. It's a it's a beautiful place to be uh, for sure and spend some time. Uh, and it really do, you know it brings there's a certain calmness to it. Uh, but as I said on a on a on a bleak day, that Atlantic coast is it's not the place to be. Or maybe it is in terms of it, it's certainly uh, Startling and stark uh, to be there when the when the weather turns.
1: It could be the ideal place for a links course in the future. That Bearer coastline.
2: Well, yeah, everywhere is a great place for a links golf course.
1: That's a that's a great answer, and I think we've we've done really well this far. Project to get this far in the chat, but without, without talking too much about the Ryder Cup because that is going to dominate the headlines in in the months to come. It's on in Whistling Straits in September. You're the captain, a prestigious job, a monumental job and you've been Vice Captain for three years before or for three events before, so you, you know a lot of what it's about, so if you could delegate one job that you don't want to do, what would you what, what would it be?
2: Uh, you know there, there will be delegation uh, during the during the event. most of the delegation is because I just can't get around to it and and, and that's one thing you find out as a vice Captain you can't do everything the captain really does uh, he gets pulled every which way basically there's a lot of stuff going on he, you know he's trying to run a team and manage a team but there's media stuff there's, there's lots of stuff to be done uh, what would I not do I think the hardest things would be ringing up guys and telling them that they didn't get a pick uh, but I wouldn't delegate that mm-hmm. that's that's you know you take the job that's your responsibility I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't give that away uh, you know I think the harder a job is the more likely that I'll do it because that's what I have to do uh, but yeah, there are certain parts but but maybe that that's the one part uh, I think giving up having to tell somebody who who could be good enough to be in the team, so he might be in the top 12 players, but he just doesn't suit the setup uh you know he might be a rookie, and you don't want you want somebody with experience who knows why uh, but that that's tough to ring somebody up and, and tell them that they that they've been overlooked. Uh probably that's the wrong word. I certainly won't be using that word it's not overlooked because they're all good enough it 's just that you've you've chosen to go a different way you've chosen with some some different players or a different style, a different fit for the team and 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 that's that's the toughest thing to make that phone call. but again no, no way would I be delegating it that's when you sign up for the job these are the, you've got to take certain responsibilities, and that's part of be i I'd be a weak captain if I wasn't prepared to do that.
1: Like you said, it's part of the job and it's a, it's a tough part of the job, but it's a necess- necessary part of it too. And the, the Ryder Cup is obviously, like I said, it's on a Whistling straight. So we don't know yet what sort of crowd will be their project, but it will be mostly American. It's on American um, soil. So what sort of atmosphere do you think that will create? And is it actually something that the European team could use to to your advantage, that siege mentality?
2: You know, it, 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 I, I would think at this stage, you know, Wisconsin's already having events. So it's likely that they will have close to, a, a sizable crowd, you know. I, I know it's it could be forty thousand people usually at a Ryder Cup, maybe even forty five thousand uh, at any given day, and maybe maybe that number be could be down to 30,000 thirty thousand. I'm not sure, uh, but you've got to think that the the numbers would be sizable. That as a player, you won't see the difference. I think it may be difficult for Europeans to travel at that time of the year. Uh, but maybe vaccinations will mean it, it's back to normal. Uh, I do believe you will have a size amount of uh, the Europeans who will travel from the states who are living in the states. So you're going to have, I, I think you're going to have a pretty normal representation of what you would have at, at, at a Ryder Cup. would be well and truly biased towards the US on, on, on US soil. Uh, you know, the, the European players will be used to that, but I, I don't see the siege mentality so much. I think uh you know, I just think the world would be in a different place at that time. Mm-hmm. I think everybody'd be happy to see golf, everybody'd be happy to see a sporting event i I think people would be more in the lines of of just embracing good golf and enjoying it and, and certainly uh you know i i would I wouldn't be encouraging my players to to see it as a siege uh you know and most of these American fans are actually most of them would be. Fans of the European players in week in week out. I know they won't be their their, their fans that week, but in general, there's a, a there's a very high level of uh, of not just respect of of of, uh, of support for those Europeans from the Americans. So I I I would think I would be more thinking of <clears throat> the players just going out and enjoying it and 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 and, and not necessarily seeing it. Uh, accepting the way the ebbs and flows of it, but not necessarily seeing it. It's it's not a siege. This is you know. In the end of the day, you know it's golf. I, I keep saying nobody's coming over the ropes. It's it's you're in there. You're playing away. There, I'm sure there'll be some uh you know some. I I and I really hope that the U.S. fans get behind their team and and really make create that atmosphere and support their team. Uh, and and as I said, the, in the best possible world, they get behind their team. Create an unbelievable atmosphere and let the Europeans, you know, get on with their side of the game. And and, and just like I said, if I was watching a football match, uh, you know, let's hope it's a really tight, close match, and uh, and the best team comes out at top at the end.
1: I was interested too, Podrick. In um, you've seen over the years, where different sports people have come in for motivational speeches. I'm thinking Alex Ferguson years ago. I think Paul O'Connell came in at one point for a Ryder Cup. When you have a European team packed with world superstars of sport and you're trying to, I suppose motivate them is the wrong word, but you're bringing in someone to address them and get them pumped up. Considering what they've achieved and like they've achieved, they've reached every star of their sport. Is it hard to get the right person to deliver the message to get these lads up for an event like the Ryder Cup?
2: It it is very difficult. Uh... It's not not based on what they've done. They, the, every every golfer in that team has has sporting heroes that they look up to, uh, it's trying to find a sporting hero that they that they all look up to or that they all are, are have the awareness because you know somebody who's who's lived most you know who's lived in Spain all their life might necessarily appreciate somebody that you know coming from uh, Britain let's say or Ireland. It, it, you know, they're just different role models, so it is difficult to do that. You need somebody who obviously transcends sport and has got to a level that 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 everybody is uh, you know was aware and, and the passion. And and then remember as well, it is an interesting week. You're trying to moderate the the passion of the players. You don't want to get them too excited either. You know, there's lots of pressure involved in the Ryder Cup. They're going to be up to, you know, so it it's it's a fine line between uh, you know, getting them too pumped up and letting letting them go play their golf.
1: Um, the Walker Cup was on last weekend. I'm just going to switch now from the Ryder Cup to the Walker Cup. Um, we had a, a young Kinsale golfer, John Murphy, who was on the, the Great Britain and Ireland team at last weekend's Walker Cup. And he's turning pro later this summer, Podrick. What's the best piece of advice that you could give John Murphy as he swaps the life of an amateur golfer to become a professional? Uh,
2: yeah, John John's a, seems like a very nice lad, serious lad. Uh I don't know if this is advice, but the key to success being going from amateur to pro, the key to becoming a good pro is feeling comfortable in your environment. And and, and that's it. I've seen some of the the most beautiful golfers as amateurs, ball strikers completely get lost as a pro. And I've seen, you know, an average player who just keeps his head down and just does his thing and turn out to be a very successful pro. So, It's just believing in yourself, trusting in yourself, uh, and just, you know, it's a difficult world. You go out there and, you know, a couple of missed cuts at the start, and all of a sudden you think you're not good enough. You think you have to change things. But in golf, and particularly that level of golf, professional golf, there's a tiny, tiny, fine line between, you know, missing the cut and actually finishing top 10, uh, and even missing the cut and winning tournaments. So... It really is about self-confidence, doing your thing, giving yourself a long enough period to do that. So like I say to most of the young guys turning pro, I say, look, whatever you're doing now, do the exact same for about two years. So don't change anything. And I really mean don't change anything. Stick to what you're doing for two years. At the end of two years, you'll know if you do need to change anything or whether you're good enough or whether you need to tweak a few things at that stage. But there's no way you know when you turn pro. And there's no way you know after three tournaments. There's no way you know after six weeks. So just do your own thing for a, a long period, so that you can get a fair evaluation of how you stand against your peers, and then do what's needed at that stage. But I think so many players get a a rude awakening very quickly, and and just assume that you know that oh I'm not good enough or I'm not ready or, or like the worst thing you can do as a as a young pro is. Be thinking, I'm getting my game ready to be good enough in a year's time, two years time, three years time. That that's really not what you want. You you do want to grow as a player, but you can't have this attitude that you're pushing it down the road. That you know, uh, if I keep playing in five years' time, I'll be good enough. That that it just doesn't work like that. You've got to you've got to play your best golf right now in the moment, and then see where that leaves you, and then keep doing that for a sustained period of time. And at the, after a sustained period of time, you will have an idea that, you know what, maybe I, I I need to improve this aspect of my game or stay, do what I am, or go to the gym or change coach, whatever it is, or work with a psychologist. But don't do it at the start. Don't do it early on. Give yourself that. It's, it's, yeah, I just see the amount of guys, the guys who tend to be successful are the ones who have funky golf swings coming out, who are a little bit pig-headed, a little bit stubborn who have fought against the grain nearly all their sporting career because they keep doing it. The ones who struggle are the beautiful players who've got beautiful golf swings, who have found it easy. And all of a sudden, you know, they hit that brick wall when they turn pro. Now that's not saying there has been a few guys who who, in that situation who turn pro and they hit the ground running and they've always found it easy and they keep finding it easy. But, you know, for every one of those, there's a, you know, probably 99 who the world thinks is great and just, didn't hit the ground running and all of a sudden uh, you know I'm not saying they uh, they certainly didn't panic but they started you know changing or looking for something too quickly when they already had it
1: You mentioned earlier project too that um, you're a perfectionist and you practiced uh, an awful lot and still do but would you still practice as much now as you did back let's say before you won your your first couple of majors
2: I practice more now so uh, every yeah, probably every bit as much anyway so if, as I get older, I might give up other things rather than practice. So uh, it, it, I still do the practice. I, I I probably don't, I probably don't train. Well, when I say I don't train as hard, I probably do more of the of of the maintenance stuff and the mobility stuff than I would. Oh, well, I did that as well. I did everything back then. Uh, yeah, maybe I've slowed down one or two, but pretty much full-time practice, life practice. And I'm sitting here in my golf room. My and every day I get in, you know, if if I haven't got enough work in during the day, I'll still be hitting shots at 11 o'clock at night down here. If I've got enough work in in the day, maybe I, I I won't be doing that. But, it, you know, it's a feeling based. It's nothing more than that. And if if I've got, if I fed my addiction for the day, I'm happy. Uh, so, yeah, I I fit it in all, all the way through the day. But, you know, it doesn't mean I'm doing good practice. Some of it is, is I always say this is, I'm a... Yeah, some of it is easy, lazy practice rather than to feed, feed that that want in me rather than maybe doing some uh, a little more dedicated, and better practice as as maybe I should.
1: You said that kind of that wanting you and that pursuit of perfection is that something that's ingrained in you, Podrick, like that that drive and desire to be the best that that you can be, and even now after all you've achieved in the sport and you're still going out every day to try and improve, to try and be better kind of, is that just part of who you are?
2: Yep. That's, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what drives me. That's what I like doing. Uh, you know, I've looked at other things over the year, years, you know, because it, it's been tougher the last couple of years, uh, maybe five, six years ago, it was pretty tough. Uh, I, I had the pushing yips, so golf was difficult at that stage. And you're looking at other things, but ultimately this is what I like doing. I like practicing. I like playing the game. I, I, I enjoy the the concept of trying to get better and what comes with it, uh, and I I realize that this is what I like doing. Why not do it? I'm I'm in, still in a position, and you know, to be able to compete. And the one good thing for me is I can still compete at the very top mm-hmm. with my good shots. I don't quite. I'm not quite as as consistent, or I'm not quite as. Uh, yeah, maybe that I might have that same you know drive on the golf course or you know this, even though I, I'm pretty I, I, it's a different sort of drive maybe I don't have the butterflies and the nerves at times uh but you know I, I I'm not out there I, I, you know I'm not one of those guys which you, you often see my good golf is as good as anybody else's so I don't, I don't I don't go out on the golf course and feel like hey this this is a bit of a struggle I'm hanging on here for the champions tour I'm I'm well capable of of competing with anybody in the moment Maybe I don't do quite as good a job as I said over 72 holes, but certainly, you know, I'm still capable of playing the golf at any single moment in a round. And, and, you know, I'm still capable of competing with the young guys.
1: And those butterflies you mentioned there, they'll kick in or they probably have kicked in ahead of Twisting Straits in September. Like nerves, excitement, butterflies. How much are you looking forward to getting over there and for the Ryder Cup to go ahead?
2: Yeah, you know, it's obviously a different scenario, you know. As a player, you want to get excited so that you focus you want that little bit of nervous energy uh and then you want to control it when you're under pressure uh, as a captain, I think I'll suffer from stress, but i'm not hitting any shots and that so it, you know it's a diff- it will be a different feeling because it you know where some things are within my control, there will be a lot of playing that is outside my control so i I don't know if I can relate the actual captaincy to to how I handle pressure and 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 uh, you know it would I have to go through it. That's that's it. In the end of the day, that's the, that's the thing with the Ryder Cup. It's a one and done being the captain. Uh, so it's not like I'm a, a Premiership football manager. You know, getting thirty eight games in a season to and 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 if I get sacked, I get another job or something like that. You, know, you know you're not I'm not learning my trade. So I, I have to go in here and get it right the first time. Uh, so I think there's stress involved in it but as I said I don't have to stand that first tee and hit that shot so it shouldn't be too bad with the nerves.
1: Final question so Padraig again, we mentioned you gave great advice for John Murphy earlier and just advice for golfers all across West Cork and beyond because the good news in the last couple of weeks golf courses are open again and there's golfers of all ages and experience back on the course again. What's the best piece of advice you can offer to those? Well
2: i i put everything I know up on uh, my Instagram, on my uh my webpage, my portercarrington.com. I'm putting it all up on YouTube. Uh so if you want the advice, it's there. If you're too lazy to go there and you want to just hear it, uh you know you know, you gotta swing athletically. Don't keep your head down, don't keep your head still, don't keep your body still, don't keep your feet still. Uh you gotta move, you've got to move with more ri- with more speed than you think. It's not slow. Uh, And if I was going to say anything on the golf swing quickly, you would say a a longer follow through than you have backswing. So short backswing, long follow through and hold that finish generally will work quite nicely for most people. So much shorter backswing than you think, much more hands and arms, bigger follow through. So extending the follow through and hold the finish uh, should cover you. And that will give you an athletic swing. And after that, so swing with with plenty of guts, so don't swing slowly. And so big follow through and then you have to learn. And this is the difficult part. So you, once you, you have a shorter, a, a longer follow through than backswing, that should make it reasonably athletic. Uh, don't stay still. Once you have an athletic swing, the same as it's the same swing as you use swinging a hurl, uh, you know, it's no different. Same, it's the same swing you use if you were especially the exact same if you were skimming a stone and water, uh, same action. So if You once you have all the movement, then you just have to learn where the club face is, and, and that's what pe- that's unfortunately that's what people don't get right. Uh, it's two different operations having an athletic swing and then knowing where your club face is. So, basically, you've got to get a good grip and learn what shut is and what open is at impact, and you just got to keep working on exaggerating, getting the club face really shut at impact, and hit left with a hook, then exaggerate and hit up and open with a cut. And once you learn, What way left and way right is, then you start narrowing it down so you actually know what a fade and a draw is, where your club face is. And people, there are two distinct things in golf. You've got to learn where your club face is and you've got to have an athletic swing. And what happens is somebody, like a good hurler can come to golf and he's been a beautiful hurler all his life and he comes to golf and he can't hit the golf ball you go, well, hang on a second here. It's the same motion. It's no different than – I would say to somebody, okay, the hands change the position, but if you were running in to hit, poke a ball underneath the keeper, so generally Dolph about hit driving it low. So if you were trying to poke a ball off the ground underneath a keeper, that is a golf swing. Just change where your hands is. Everything about that is a golf swing. So trying to cover the ball and hit it underneath the keeper. Not not a high shot, yes, you will use it, but it's not quite the same. We're, to start off with, you cover but. Like in hurling, like you, you could turn around to a hurler and you could tell him right, your swing is straight down the line here, but I want you to hit the ball to the left corner of the field. And he'll just shut the face and hit it there. He doesn't change his body or he just okay, I'll just flip it over and hit it left. And you say, I want you to slice it right from the same position. He knows he knows where his the face of the hurl is. Whereas he'll never that's all you have to learn in golf. What's where the face where the face is. And you do that by hitting shots. You know, you get a nine iron or eight iron and hit shots 70, 80 yards, way left, way right, way left from the same setup. Mm-hmm. So you're just manipulating the face and then have an athletic swing in your ground. And then you have to learn the third thing you do after that. So you have to learn where your club face is. You've got to have an athletic swing. And the third part, you just have to go out and play and experience what shot to hit when. That's all there is to golf. It's a pretty easy game after that.
1: I think you're after exciting and inspiring every golfer in West Cork. I can imagine the courses in the next couple of days will be packed with, with people uh, practicing. Your, your, your advice, Patrick.
2: Well, if if, I was going to, if you're going to go out there and do some practice, hit shots well within. Your, not, this is not how you play golf, but hit shots, you know, 80, 90, 100 yards with a nine iron, so that you're, you're not swinging. You will swing flat out the golf course and learn where that, how to hit the ball left and right doing that. Don't and don't worry about your golf swing. Worry about what the golf ball's doing. So, and it's more hands and arms than it is a body swing. That's the other thing I would say. So most people think that you're meant to turn your body. A, have you ever did you ever tell a hurler to turn his body? No, you just hit the ball. Same in golf. Use your hands and arms to hit the ball, and your body will follow it. It's a natural. It's very natural. The one of the and this is why people enjoy playing golf. It's one of the most. It's a very satisfying thing in life environmentally just because of the way to swing at something and to hit something. That's what we've done. You know, as a kid, you pick a stick up in the forest and you swing and hit a tree trunk and you enjoy doing it. Mm. We all enjoy skimming a stone and water. These things are are very pleasant to the mind and that's why people enjoy golf. It's a very nice uh, feeling to swing away and to hit a golf ball, hit hit something like, and and for it to go into the distance. So it's, it's just a pleasant enjoyable experience once you get to a certain level and it's a horrible game if you you know and I've seen a lot of sports people come to it and and they struggle and they they they, then they go away and hate the game for the rest of their life because physically you know they've been good at everything they've ever done and they're terrible at golf but they got just got mixed up look don't keep your head down don't keep your head still don't make a big backswing uh, make a big follow through swing with speed and then just learn where that club face is
1: that's brilliant, Podrick. You've been so kind at of your time. I really appreciate you coming on the, the podcast this week. Best of luck in the weeks, months ahead. Best of luck in the Ryder Cup. And remember, you're an honorary West Cork man. So that carries a, a lot of a lot of pride, a lot of pressure, even. But take that West Cork with you to um to whistling straits and hopefully you'll bring the Ryder Cup down to Beira in the months after. So thanks, Podrick.
2: Thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West
0: Cork. Ah, Kieran, that was just brilliant stuff with Podrick Harrington. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, we're going to quickly preview this week's Southern Star Sports section, which will, of course, be in shops on Thursday. Kieran, what can readers expect?
1: We saw a live-action return on the inter-county scene last weekend. The Cork hurlers were out against Waterford on Sunday, so we have full report and analysis of that. We're also looking forward to the Cork footballers starting their league campaign this weekend. They're playing Kildare in Turles, and the Cork team are also in action this weekend, and we have interviews with Paddy Murray and Libby Coppinger. As well as that, Holly O'Sullivan's second column is in this Thursday Southern Star Brilliant column last week to kick it off. And uh, Ross Carveyman is on form here. He's looking at the Cork senior football team and his thoughts on where they need to improve, how they need to improve. And one player that he feels that the Cork footballers need to get back into the football camp. So really good stuff from Holly O'Sullivan. That's well worth checking out. Sticking with GEA, Carvey chairman Tom Lyons has written a very good piece about the Carvey senior hurling team you broke the news last week, Jack, that the, the Carberry Hurling team will not be entering this year's County Senior Hurling Championship. And that's the second year in a row that the Carbury Hurlers won't be. So uh, Carby Chairman Tom Lyons answers that question. But he also lays out what needs to be done for Carbury Hurling to, to get the team back competitive and how the clubs need to pull together. So really good stuff there. And also, huge weekend for some skipper rowers coming up in Lucerne. It's the final Olympic qualification regatta with Emily Hegarty and the Irish Women's Four hoping to get one of the top two spots left at the games in Tokyo this summer. And Aoife Casey is in the Irish lightweight double at Margaret Crimin. And they're also going for Olympic qualification. So the best to look to Emily and Aoife in Lucerne this weekend. So as you can see from that check, there's a lot going on in this week's Southern Star Sport.
0: And a cracking new back page columnist, I'm led to believe. So keep an eye out for that one too. And that's all we have time for on this week's Star Sport podcast. Uh, As Kieran mentioned, the Southern Star Sports section will be available this Thursday. If you can't make it to the shop, so you can always pick up a copy online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than €2 per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slaan